0: Good afternoon, everyone.
1: This Ben Jarofsky show, Benny J bonus interview, is brought to you in part by SCIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, and the Chicago Reader. Benny J, take it away. Bonus time of the Ben Show as I speak. It's Wednesday, March 17th, 2021, St. Patrick's Day. And as I always do with a bonus interview, I uh, read what's a headline from the today's paper. I just randomly picked this headline. Not so randomly. It's really on my mind. I've been talking about it all day. Moscow urged Trump allies to vilify Biden. Yeah, President Putin was at it again. It didn't work so well this time as it did in 2016. Those dumb Democrats in 2016, they believed anything uh, that Putin's computer hackers told him, and the result, in part, was uh, Donnie Trump being elected president. But we're not going to discuss that today. That's just a tease. We're not going to talk about that. Instead, i got something historical to talk about. Uh, I have two distinguished guests with me, and as I do with all bonus interviews on the Benjamin Jorofsky Jur- Show, I ask my distinguished guests to introduce themselves. So, the way I'm going to do this. Distinguished guests whose first initial begins with R. Yeah introduce yourself.
0: Okay, um, I'm Rosemary Fourier and I'm a labor historian. I teach at Northern Illinois University and I'm the chair of a project to get Mother Jones uh, the uh, sta- on a statue in Chicago and I hope that's why we're here today.
1: Very good. Uh, distinguished guests, whose first initial is E. Introduce yourself.
2: I'm Elliot Gorn. I teach U.S. History at Loyola University, Chicago, go Ramblers. I've actually <laughs> written a biography of uh, Mother Jones, whom we're talking about today.
1: All right, very good. And I am going to refrain from having a discussion about basketball so I don't have to rub it in Elliot's face, that if the Ramblers are lucky to win round one, they will invariably be defeated in round two by a certain University of Illinois, uh, champaign A basketball team. We are not here to talk about sports. We are here to talk about history, Mother Jones, whose real name is Mary Harris. Rosemary, I did that on your behalf. Mary Harris is her name. Um, Let's start. We've had many conversations on this show about statues and history, uh, particularly over the summer. Uh, Rosemary, we're going to start with you. Uh, When uh, statues of Columbus were being taken down and and Mayor Lori Lightfoot was uh, sort of struggling with the whole notion of how do we celebrate a legacy, who gets celebrated with a statue, who gets honored it's not just Mayor Lori Lightfoot, but this is, of course, a debate discussion happening all over the country. Uh, Rosemary, why don't we start by you explaining, uh, and then Elliot, you jump in after uh, her explanation. What is the significance of Mother Jones, uh, and why should she be uh, celebrated and honored with the statue in Chicago? Go ahead, Rosemary.
0: Well, how much time do we have? <laughs> <laughs> because uh, there are lots of reasons that she needs to be in bronze. Uh, In a very prominent location in our city, Uh, she represents uh, the history of immigrants, the history of women, the history of workers, uh, the history of people who built the city of Chicago, the history of those who struggled against the forces of uh, capital, the forces of power. Um, So you know. Uh, she represents the struggle against child labor. <laughs> I'm just giving you some capsules here, but I hope we can have some time to to dig into these. She speaks to this moment, as you said, of, one, of, of a time when we're saying, who are we as a people, right? Who should be represented in our city? Uh, that there should be people like her who are usually not put on statues, have not been, yet she contributed so much to the history um, of workers and of ordinary people, and she called on people to think of themselves as extraordinary. You are uh, not nothing that can be um, you know, discarded by those with power. You are somebody... Um, and you should rise up and control the city. When children were working in Philadelphia, right, she said, one day we'll take the uh, halls of power and we'll see that no child is crucified on the altar of greed. So I'm just, I don't want to take, you know, Elliot, you you go.
2: Um, and, and as Rosemary said, we can go all day. Um. Uh, uh, we'll talk a little about who she is. Pers- I'll talk a little about who she is personally. Let me just say that, you know, she's in an era—the end of the 19th century, the first couple of decades of the 20th century. Something like a three quarters of a million men mine coal. They make $400 a year on average. They often have—they're often paid in company script, not in American dollars. They're mine guards, uh, uh, taking away their rights as American citizens. These, this is, these are polyglot workers. These are black and white, Appalachian, immigrant. Um, and she does not accept this. She will not accept this. She is someone who will work in the labor movement, various causes for a really prominent, one of the most famous women in America for a quarter of a century, and now mostly forgotten today. And let me just say, we talk about pandemic today, um, she uh, uh, she lost her entire family, a husband and four children, in the yellow fever epidemic. Mm-hmm. Her family were famine immigrants from, from Ireland in the worst years of the, of the Great Hunger. Um, when she was a younger woman, she had a um, dressmaking shop in Chicago. She was burned out in the Great Chicago Fire. All right, all of this happens to her. And then when she's approaching her 60s, She's been learning about the labor movement. She's been, been been observing and organizing a little bit. And she just explodes as this person, Mother Jones. She's no longer Mary Harris, the immigrant. She's no longer Mary Jones, the widowed wife of George Jones. She becomes Mother Jones. And that's who she wants us to know and wants us to remember.
0: The mother I, of the just could say. could I add the mother of the working class? She saw herself as part of. Uh, that identity, somebody who would not protect them in a Jane Addams style, but organize and mobilize and uh, inspire them to be more than what society told them they could be.
1: Rosemary, uh, I think most people, uh, if they know the name Mother Jones at all, they know the magazine mother jones uh and without realizing it, the magazine is named for a real historical figure uh, with connections to chicago so i just wanted to put that out there it's a left of center magazine a muckraking magazine uh that took the name mother jones and to sort of took the spirit of mother jones i talk about rosemary uh her connection mother jones's connection to chicago she was born in ireland uh, but uh, she has a strong Chicago connection, which is why you think, of course, uh, she should be honored in Chicago. Go ahead, Rosemary.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think as Elliot shows his book, Chicago helped to shape her, and it was radical Chicago or the Chicago of movements. You know, she, as uh, he said, it, she's observing. She said at one point that it was the Chicago Fire That made her really start to think. It was the, uh, as you may know, the relief uh, that was supposed to go to the poor was actually withheld from the poor. And it was this uh, idea that they weren't equipped to use it uh, that well. So all these people were sending money to Chicago. And she said that really uh, was the formative moment for her. There were Irish and trade unionists organizing on the uh, at the places that they were cooling. So she went to St. Old St. Mary's Church. And in that moment, people were organizing, you know, they were talking to the, to each other. And I think that influenced her. But it took a long time before she became, you know, this seminal activist herself but chicago was formative and then she took that out to the uh country across the country to mexico so she was she saw this as a global movement she took her heritage from ireland as you said mary harris she never forgot that somebody did that the famine you know that it was an act of human um greed that helped to uh, condemn so many people so you know she was it took a a while and for a woman you know it's not a hospitable place this country for a woman to set out and be decide she was going to become Mother Jones right that that's not fun and it's not easy and so the fact that she makes it and she becomes this figure is pretty notable and Elliot you can add to that
2: Yeah, uh, again, just uh, how remarkable her story is um, as, you know, someone from the working class, poor, uh, widowed, elderly, a woman, all of the things that you're supposed to, as you reach your 60s, just go away and maybe die. And that's exactly what she chooses not to do. Um, I sometimes think, I was thinking about it just today, that sometimes I, I wonder why, how did we forget this person? Because we don't really remember her as we should as, as a great and notable American, I, I, you know, some of it, there's a lot of reasons I think, but one of them is that she was a woman who was angry and outspoken. Um, she would not be quiet. She was out there. And, and everyone who comments, she was friends with Clarence Darrow and Carl Sandburg, uh, with, with a lot of important people, Mary Della Sur, um, and they all comment on on her speaking style, this galvanizing, electric style, and swearing and challenging uh, workers, uh, telling miners, uh, "If you men and, and if you, she even exaggerated her own age to make herself more vulnerable and more venerable, if you miners are too cowardly to organize, then you're not fit to be in the company of women.
1: You are not fit to have women with you." Mm-hmm. Um, and she or the wives did uh i I wasn't aware of this to rosemary said as well I'll start with you did she give herself the name mother Jones? Did I get that right, or did somebody else say you are mother Jones
0: uh, a little v- bit of both you know I mean people started calling her that I, the first record I have is that um in the um yeah, you know, I think the most official is from the what was called the Coxies Army. Um, you know, she became known as the mother of the army. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, my conjecture and Elliot, we could debate this, but is that it was said that women shouldn't be in that march. So this was a march of the unemployed. It was all these men who were supposed to get jobs. Right. And she had been an activist and uh, She implanted herself there. So it was easier to say if you're mother, right, that it's safer. It's not as sexual, right? You're not going to be having sex in the tents if you call yourself that. So I think there were several women who called themselves mother in that march. And so it might have been that, but who knows? You know, I think Elliot's right that, you know, it also um, is something that gives her authority and uh, it becomes part of her identity Um, but as he's also noted i'm just stealing from him left and right here Uh, you know it wasn't that sweet motherhood you know it was the strong motherhood and when people met her it was like wow this is not be quiet mother (laughs) or a quiet mother or a respectable mother this was somebody who said you take what you can get and hold on to it. And you ought to have some self-respect, you know, and not take the abuse of the boss. So I think that, um, uh, you know, LeSueur said she, she acted as though she came from the wounds of the people. And that's kind of another version of motherhood, right? Uh, not as a savior from above, maybe somebody who has that experience, right? She said, um, you know, I've, uh um i come from a long line of people who have been exploited abused and because i have that uh mindset um i i urge you to um to resist that right so in so many words she said that in 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 different ways but not in other words as somebody who's a savior from above and not to um draw on this comparison too much like uh, a reformer you know but rather an agitator somebody who thought that you need to do it not me i'm not, i'm your mother i'm cajoling you but you better do it i'm not going to save you
2: yeah she um there was an earlier mother jones involved in the labor movement uh, for the railroad brakemen, and she sort of was she wrote for the journal and then sort of disappeared and and then our mother jones sort of takes over the name but i think I think it's probably not right to think of her as being being given the name so much as she started to insist on it, and workers accepted it and called her that. And then not just workers themselves, by by well into you know the ninth, the twentieth century, everyone refers to her that way. She signs her letter, letters that way. Presidents refer to her that way. But one of the things, one of the things I'd mention also about her is that is that she was funny. She was a tremendous performer on the stage and she could get laughs. She, and, 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 and again, very disrespectful in ways that were hysterical. She referred to John D. Rockefeller, the great oil magnate, as Oily John. She referred to Theodore Roosevelt when she was angry at him, Theodore Roosevelt, the great big game hunter. She called him Teddy the Monkey Killer. <laughs> she said, she, t- she talked about how, um, well, she, there's a, fam- it's a famous quote. Um, she talked to a man in prison. And she asked him what he did, and he said he'd stolen a pair of shoes. And Mother says, well, I told him if he'd stolen a railroad, he'd be a United States senator. Mm. Uh, she, she, was, she was just a tremendous performer on the stage.
1: Uh, what was her relation, if she had a relation, with the powers that be uh, in the city of Chicago? I'm thinking as I asked this question about Saul Alinsky, uh, the great community activist who wrote the book on community organizing. And he had a pretty solid relationship. He was living in Chicago at the time. He was born and raised in Chicago. He had a pretty solid relationship with like the University of Chicago types uh, and the, the 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 philanthropists who donate uh, to community groups, the Catholic Church, unions, etc. What was Mother Jones' connection to the powers that be of her time? Uh,
0: you want me to? Okay. <laughs> you well, you have, you know, uh, it was mixed, but... With the, um, she would often shame them. (laughs) So that was a a uh, her relationship with some. Uh, She was certainly uh, revered. That when she came to Chicago, people came to see her. They wanted to see who this phenomenon was. Uh, The teachers' union leaders, the labor leaders like um, uh, John Fitzpatrick. The head of the Chicago uh, Fed, but I don't know when you say city leaders, you mean the mayors. I think um, it was not; it was not uh, those were not her people, and it was not somebody that she regularly sought out. Um, But she was certainly, uh, you know, not hesitant if she thought city powers anywhere could um, make workers' lives. Uh, more favorable so that when, you know, in for instance, in the garment workers strike, um, she urged women to get arrested and fill the jails so that the city would have to pay attention to them. So that got attention. So, it, you know, I, I don't want to, um, I wouldn't want to suggest that she wasn't thought of as dangerous in some ways in this city too, you know, because she was was talking civil disobedience. and she was trying to change uh, this city. but um, you know, I don't think that uh, elected public officials were her fir- the first people that she uh, would reach out to. She always thought change came from below. Uh, she would try to get the elected uh, officials to do the right thing. So she asked the city officials, why are you allowing these women to be arrested? Even as she's saying, you know, you need to be arrested in order to get attention to your struggle. Um, because that, you know, it's just like now, you know, we we can see how hard it is to get uh, a $15 minimum wage, right? It It's extraordinary that people can endure and continue to endure and that public officials can continue to endure, allow people to endure such horrible um, wages and working conditions. And so she, she was, you know, thought change could come from below.
2: Yeah. I think that's really, I think that's really the key uh, uh, that, that that's how she was oriented. She really wasn't interested particularly. I mean, she would cajole and wheedle a little bit when she, you know, when she would talk about it. But she was not interested in making friends with um, powerful people. She was interested in organizing workers. Um, there was never a hint of condescension. Uh, I sometimes think about Dorothy Day, who is to be admired, and yet there is something a little condescending, maybe more than a little condescending, in some some things in the Catholic Worker movement. That was never there in Mother Jones. She was of the working class, and she knew it, and she presented herself that way. So that when she came to Chicago, when she always, you know, she, she was traveling all over the country during these years from the late 19th century until into the 20s, as an old woman, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s. Uh, and, you know, she said uh, when she, when the, Cong- and the Cong- Congressional Committee asked her her address, she said, well, it's like my shoes. They travel with me wherever <laughs> I go. She would always come back to Chicago because she had so many friends there, but they were friends like, yeah, John Fitzpatrick, the head of the, Chicago Federation of Labor uh, uh, and, and and Clarence Darrow, as I say, the the great uh, attorney, you know, for the for workers' causes. Um, that's what she came came back for and came back finally when she was really quite old to write her autobiography.
0: Mm-hmm. And I should I would add that the Chicago Fed wanted her this to be the place that her 100th birthday celebration. She wasn't really 100, but they uh, they wanted to. Uh, feet, have a, a celebration of her contributions, and Chicago Fed leaders were in charge of her will. So you know she kept in contact. This was the place that she came for rest um, and to be part of something uh, bigger. So you know there are lots of like when we made the application, there are lots of different sites that she was a part of in the city, and a lot of them are along the river. Um, and this is uh, this is our our hope that we will have a, a location that is very prominent. She, in her day, she was that kind of prominent figure. And, you know, you couldn't negotiate with her. And she was not the kind of labor leader who made deals at the top. You know, she was normally uh, somebody who was there to stir, stir the masses.
1: Elliot, where in Chicago did she live? You mentioned her coming home to Chicago. Uh, what was her, her neighborhood in Chicago?
2: Uh, when she had her um, seamstress shop and it's, it's often she's hard to trace, uh, but when she had her seamstress shop um, and lived there, it was, it was right downtown. I'm trying to remember the exact streets we were because the street uh, street names changed so much. Um, and I don't even remember anymore. It's so long ago. But it was- uh,
0: the one was Washington and Wabash.
2: Washington and Wabash. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. And she also lived at 174 Jackson Street. Of course, it wouldn't be um, the same if yeah. the map changed.
2: Yeah, but it's, it's right in that area, though. It, it hasn't changed that much. And it's downtown. It's in the loop. It's that, you know, it's, it's, it's that. Um, uh, that. So she was right, right in Chicago. She describes that when the fire came. That's where where she was and then that's where she, that's where she was for,
1: for a long time. You know, it's so funny. Uh, you, you've each now have mentioned the fire and uh, let's pick up on it before we get into the specifics of what you want uh, the honor to be and where it should go and that kind of thing. But the way the Chicago fire is used uh, in Chicago right now. And this is me speaking, so if you disagree with me, Elliot and Rosemary, feel free to speak up. Uh, you First Amendment rights. Uh, but the way that Chicago fire is used is an example of Chicago's resilience. That's sort of like the metaphor that a politician uh, is getting at when he or she, and Lori Lightfoot just talked about this in her inauguration speech. She goes, Chicago rose from the fire. I've heard Ed Burke say this. I've had Richie Daly say this. I think Rahm Emanuel even said it once. Uh, He was reading a speech that somebody else wrote. And uh, so they always use it as a metaphor for how resilient Chicago is, how it can rebound from these uh, horrific blows that would knock another city out and they would just Fall off the face of the earth, but not Chicago with these great (laughs) leaders, okay? These great leaders of commerce and industry. About man, I remember when they were trying to get us to sign on to the Olympics. They talked about we rose from the fire. Rosemary, I detected in you a different. A different metaphorical meaning, uh, what the Chicago fire represented. And I just could not allow this moment to pass without exploring it. So when you think of Chicago's fire, how it occurred, and what happened in the aftermath, what are some of the lessons that you take from it? Go ahead, Rosemary.
0: Well, I think that, uh, you know, workers... And working class people organized in the aftermath of that to the extent that uh, ordinary people were able to rise, it was collectively. And it's uh, you know I think in the nitty gritty there that there were certainly uh, there were there was relief there was um, people there there was generosity that came from uh, from that from other places. But we have to remember that in all these moments of crisis. If we study, no matter where they occur in the United States or across the globe, people take opportunistic. uh, They they take opportunities from that crisis, and those with power tend to have the most opportunities, and they tend to use uh, money um, and insurance and all sorts of mechanisms to rebuild in a in a way that organizes life in cities to benefit those at the top more than those at the bottom and and if if people hadn't organized against that you know we it, it would have been much worse people were poor before the pop fire and by 1900 when mother jones rises uh, from this location, they are still extraordinarily poor. They're living in the streets. You know, the, the police are organized to round them up and and uh, put them in jail to get them off the streets because they're vagrants and they're, they're sullying the sidewalks of our city. So, you know, you have to at least take that um, shortened history with a book a lot of grains of salt.
2: <laughs> Elliot? Just to add, just add a, a, a simple detail in the rebuilding of the city, and, and yes, it, of course it makes sense to try to rebuild a city so that it's less flammable, but the use of masonry uh, in rebuilding Chicago was also a way to um, sort of redistrict the city, to move the poor out, basically, um, because masonry is expensive, uh, uh, building with bricks and so on. So, so the wood frame construction was was mud, there, was really not allowed in areas where it had been before, and, and just a little thing like that. Yes, it makes sense in a certain way, but it also, it also is class based. Making making a decision like that. Um, so, so, so yeah. Could I? I just want to make sure I say one thing. I want to mm-hmm. skip to. Uh, Go ahead. I ahead. Completely skip to. Mother Jones was very involved in the Great Steel Strike right after the First World War, in nineteen nineteen. And I'm I'm thinking about the Amazon, the uh, efforts to organize Amazon right now in Bessemer, Alabama. And and people forget that Bessemer and Birmingham were great steel towns. I, I lived down there for a little while, and it used to be like like driving through Gary. Um, there there were mills there, big mills. And and there's a sort of there is actually a history of the labor movement in America that's sometimes buried and forgotten. So so even Amazon in Bessemer. Builds on something a hundred years ago that was part of American life that we that we really forget, and of course, if Mother Jones were around
1: today, <laughs> that is where she would be. In best- oh yeah, yeah, that's a huge fight going on right now. Amazon pulling out all the punches, try every trick in the book. Yeah, <laughs> try, try to get those union workers to vote against a union. Uh, even to the point, this is a tangent with it, a tangent, LA, even to the point where they go, if you quit, we'll pay you money to quit. And that's so they can't vote. I'm like, that's how much money Amazon has to pay to quit so they can avoid paying somebody else more
2: money. No, I mean, you know, we forget coal mining jobs are not good jobs. Steel milling jobs are not good jobs. They're good because they're unionized, because they, mm-hmm. they're terrible jobs in many ways. They're almost as bad as working in an Amazon warehouse. Uh, (laughs) Uh,
1: All right. So in a perfect world, uh, Rosemary, what would uh, where would the statue uh, go in the city of Chicago? And what kind of style do you think the statue would be or, or the or the memorial, whatever you have in mind? Go ahead.
0: Well, I'd invite uh, listeners to uh, look at our representation at uh, motherjonesmuseum.org backslash statue. So if you just remember that, motherjonesmuseum.org, you can actually see the representation. Um, and the proposed site that we've presented to the city and will represent to the city uh, shortly because they're asking us to go through this again is at, um, at Michigan um in wacker just a, a few hundred feet in on wacker um and it's uh just to re- to remind people of where that's at it's right across from trump tower uh,
2: <laughs> But we that wasn't <laughs> in
1: our consciousness at all when we thought about that no, no, we, yeah. not, <laughs> no
0: not at all
1: <laughs> we, wow michigan and wacker i was like right across from trump tower so mother jones would be looking at trump tower or showing him her backside. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got a better idea. Let's take the Trump name off a of Trump Tower and put on Mother Jones. And
0: bada boom, yes. bada bing, baby! Yes. We're all in favor of that. In fact, we think a, a street and school could be named for her as well. But, uh, you know, let's start with that. It's a, it kind of, it, You know, people are largely ashamed of that name being um, associated with yeah. Chicago
1: uh and i'm pretty, pretty my mind's eye now I'm trying to go to michigan uh and wacker it's actually uh to the east of the trump uh tower what's there now
0: and that's where they turn the river green near there anyway is where they turn the river green maybe people have been there for that occasion but it's uh near the it's uh near state street it's like in between
2: yeah between um, between uh, michigan and dearborn along wacker on the riverside of wacker uh the um uh, uh there's the um her cuts uh, cups in it statues not far from there. The, of course the old Sun Times was where Trump Tower is now. So in in, in right in that area, right in right in that area would certainly be this there's a lot of city people there, there's a lot of tourism there, it would be a great place to bring school kids, uh, you know, to you know, talk about
1: the city and labor and Mother Jones and the river and so on. So yeah. It would make a lot of sense in the Vietnam uh Uh, Veterans Memorial. uh, It's not far from there uh, either. That's a whole other struggle that I've written about a few times. Uh, What's the city's reaction been so far uh, to this notion, the idea, the suggestion of putting up a a monument or memorial statue to Mother Jones? You and me, Rosemary.
0: (laughs) You go, Elliot. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: It's 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 not. It's been. We haven't gotten much of a reaction. In in a certain way, there's this new uh, commission, uh, the Mayor's Initiative, and and we take that as a good faith effort to think about um, who should be represented, and and we are doing our best. We've actually raised a lot of money. we raised almost $100,000 from labor organizations, Irish organizations, women's organizations, individuals um, from from a lot of places. Um, The Irish government uh, has... Uh, has actually helped us help to fund this um the city is i think in a, in a moment of being very um cautious about all of this um so and they're they're finally working out some procedures to go through this uh where the commission is um uh it seems to be a f- fair-minded people or at least people with ears open it's heavily artists which is interesting it's sort of well artists know how to you know, how to create memorials and statues and so on, but I'm not sure what I think of them being the ones to decide what goes up. Um, uh, But that's, that maybe that's just me. Um,
0: Yeah, I think when we met with them that we, you know, we had an initial approval of this site from lower um, level officials and it had to go up the chain with the old procedures That was a year ago. So a year ago, we sort of got an initial green light, and then all of the protests happened. And I think they were, very, as Elliot said, they got more uh, hesitant, cautious. And uh, recently, um, we met with them again after we... Uh, you know, organized a campaign that got attorneys uh historians, and uh, many individuals uh writing to them and they said, "You got our attention. <laughs> you know we keep we have a writing campaign if anybody wants to join us on that, we want to keep the pressure on. We have learned from Mother Jones that you get things when you organize them, and in an interesting way. Um, the city is agreeing with us. They're saying that all these new projects will have to have a public campaign. And the, what's really f- exciting as far as I'm concerned, they want us to connect past and present. Well, I'm all for that. If they want us to say why Mother Jones is still relevant, we can say that. As Elliot mentioned with the pandemic issues, you know, w- in this moment, we ought to have a self um uh, examination right everybody can look at themselves and say what do i really mean when i value care workers is that just a platitude or does it really mean that they can empower they can be empowered and mother jones would say would she would slap us for giving these platitudes you know figuratively and probably literally right Mm -hmm. and say you know, shame on you if that doesn't mean that you're going to pay these people and not only pay them, but not call them heroes. Give them the power to make decisions over how they can best care for people, how they can be good teachers. Right. Give those people who have to work in a situation like this. And why does it apply to all of time? Right, she always felt that those closest to the work could probably deploy the skills the best. And that angers people sometimes. But I think this pandemic moment makes us ask these questions. How do we begin to have a more hopeful future? Those power equations are everything in the hopeful future. So when they ask us to connect her to the present, I hope it doesn't aggravate them. I hope it inspires people to say, "Yes, we need somebody like this represented on that statue." And I have to say Elliot and I both hear from school children when young girls and boys, they see somebody like Mother Jones represented on a statue, Are represented in history they get excited and they say why just like I did years ago why haven't I heard of this person or Elliot may say that the kids say the same thing so she can inspire another generation Uh, we need her in bronze
1: all right very good Uh, that was well uh, put Rosemary Uh, if people want to get more information uh, about your project if they want to make contributions uh, where where can you go? Where can they go? Direct them to the proper source. Uh, go ahead.
0: There's a donation page at the statue page on motherjonesmuseum.org. Or if you just. We also have a Facebook page, Mother Jones Lives, and um, Twitter, Instagram.
2: If you just Google uh, um Mother Jones statue, it'll.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. All you have to do is you'll go right to it.
1: All right. Uh, Elliot, Rosemary, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, you, I was already convinced. Uh, but you convinced me again. Uh, so uh, let's get that statue up. Yeah, I, I'm with you 100%. I would, if you gave me a choice, statue or $15 an hour, or a minimum wage, at the moment, I would take the minimum wage. Okay, you, just saying. So I don't want the work. statue, I don't want the powers of be all right, Ben, here's the deal. Well, give me that statue, but the guy, still $7.25. No, sorry, I'm still holding out for the $15 an hour. Exactly. Uh, thank you. All right. Very good, Elliot Rosemary. Thank you very much. You. Uh, I'm Ben. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care,
0: everybody.